Good morning. I am Pastor Nancy. I'm excited that you're here today to worship with us, uh, especially if you're a guest here, if this is your first or second or third Sunday, however long you've been coming. We're so glad that you are worshiping with us. I would like to, like to also uh, welcome those who might be watching this later online and anyone who might be listening to the podcast. We are just glad that you're taking the time to hear this message. And before I get into that, I do want to make an announcement that I think most of you are going to be excited to hear. And that is that beginning in December of this year, December 3rd is the first Sunday we'll be able to do this, we will move our worship times. This service will meet at 10.30 instead of 10 o'clock. Are y'all excited? <laughs> um, the 8.30 service was really excited. So we're, we're just glad that we're able to do that. We have done well with our partnership with Regal Cinemas and we feel like that we can honor our commitment uh, to them. And so we're grateful that we can move that. We think those are great times to be able to gather and worship and reach our community. As uh, Kevin shared with you, we are beginning a new sermon series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. It's based on a book that Adam Hamilton wrote called Half Truths. The subtitle of that is God Helps Those Who Help Themselves and Other Things the Bible doesn't say, and there are so many things that we assume are scriptural. We assume they're in the Bible, and we say them to people, and they're really only partially true or maybe even not true at all. So I'm excited to be able to bring the word to you today. I invite you to join me for a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would speak through me, to me, if necessary, in spite of me and always, always beyond me, that the truth of your word might not be hidden. Amen. Today's topic is everything happens for a reason. Have you said that? Have you heard that? Do you believe it? Maybe you've heard it in a phrase, something like this, that is that people say that must have been the will of God or... It's part of God's plan. Generally, when we're going through difficult times or we know someone who's going through difficult times, um, a diagnosis of cancer or the death of a loved one, maybe the loss of a job or the breakup of a marriage or relationship, you can fill in the blank on whatever crisis or whatever tragedy that you, you know of someone who's gone through when someone says, well, you know, it's, it must have been God's will that this happened. There's got to be a purpose in this. Everything happens for a reason. Or, or maybe it's because you don't quite know how to deal with, how to handle, how to respond to events that we've all seen over the last couple of months. The events that happened in Houston um, a little over a month ago, over this late summer, when Hurricane Harvey came through and sat over Houston for days and dumped 50 inches of water on that place and just devastated that place. Um, I wondered what Charlotte would be like if 50 inches of rain had been dumped on Charlotte. It's just unbelievable. Or maybe, maybe when we saw the results of Hurricane Maria after she blew through that island of Puerto Rico and the houses that were wiped away, the, the infrastructure that's gone, the electricity that won't be on, they say, for, for weeks and weeks. And I think especially, especially this week, as we think about what happened Sunday night in Las Vegas, the horror and the tragedy there, it's really difficult for us to say something like, everything happens for a reason. But that's how people tend to respond to 
events like that. And most folks, when they say that, they mean that God planned that, God willed that, God caused that to happen. And I think for us, part of the difficulty when we try to challenge that, when we try to push back against someone saying that is there's an element of truth in that statement. We do live in a world with cause and effect. We do live in a world where actions create consequences, where our own choices produce results. If you have too much to drink and you decide you're going to get behind the wheel of a car, the odds are very good that you're going to cause harm to yourself or maybe harm to someone else. If you choose not to study for that test that's coming up, the odds are good that the grade will reflect that. If you choose to eat poorly and not exercise, your health is going to suffer. That's just how it works. And if someone who is troubled or mentally ill purchases a lot of guns and rents a room high up above a crowd that is enjoying a concert and decides to shoot those folks and injure those people, those are the consequences of the choices that person made. And it's just hard for us to see. What I want us to do this morning is talk first a little bit about how we understand who God is and how God operates. We believe that God is a God of providence, that God provides for us, that God has provided for us, that God created this beautiful world, and we're just a tiny corner of it. God created the universe, that God is in charge of that creation and oversees what happens, and that God has has provided for us and continues to provide. God is a God of providence. That's kind of where the root root word providence, provide is a root of that providence. And we also believe in God's sovereignty, that God is a sovereign. And the idea of sovereign is an idea of authority or rule. Bishop Leland came and brought our word to us last week, and he used the phrase in charge. When someone's sovereign, they're in charge, and God is the ultimate person in charge, the ultimate authority for us. A sovereign doesn't depend on anyone else or anything else. They do it all themselves, and as Christians, we believe that God is sovereign. So most Christians do agree on those two concepts, a sovereign God and a providential God, a God of providence. The difficulty comes in when people interpret what those mean in different ways based on what they understand in Scripture or what they understand in their own lives or maybe what they misunderstand from Scripture. There's a gentleman named John Calvin who lived several centuries ago. He was part of the Protestant Reformation, and he was brilliant, a brilliant lawyer, a brilliant theologian, and a brilliant pastor. And he believed and he taught that in order for God to be sovereign, in order for God to be in charge and have authority over the universe, then God must cause everything that happens. If something happens that wasn't God's will, then God isn't sovereign. So he basically believed that everything that happens in the world, God has caused. That's called theological determinism, just a fancy word for you know God making everything happen. Everything happens because it's God's will. Today's weather, your job or lack of a job, your relationship or lack of a relationship, you, you can think of anything in the world and it's like, well, God caused that. So this makes God a micromanager. What we wear, which team wins, what we do or don't do, what school we get into, what kind of grades we make. 
kind of crazy to me that the idea that God cares about all those little things. Do you think, do you think that God really cares that the Panthers beat the Patriots last Sunday? <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> do you think that God cares what I put on this morning or what you wore to come here? Do you think God cares about what you had for breakfast? You know, when you get into it, this determinism says God directed every single, all of that God's in charge of and God directs. When we live in a world that's as crazy and chaotic as the one that we're living in today, it's sometimes nice to have the answers or think we have the answers. And some people find you know, comfort or a sense of um, assuredness in this idea of absolute certainty. But there's some problems. If you really think about this, there's some problems. And one of the problems is that it takes away our responsibility for the choices that we make. If I decide I'm going to have some drinks and I get in a car and I drive somewhere and I take someone's life, it's not my responsibility. God caused that to happen. That's kind of scary to think in terms of that we could absolve ourselves of everything because God made that happen. And that's the other part of this that's really, really hard to accept and understand, and that is that God makes everything happen. God is totally responsible for everything that happens in the world. Harvey and the flooding in Houston, Puerto Rico and the devastation there, Las Vegas and this guy that just went crazy and did so much devastation and damage there. God responsible for that? To me, that just, that just doesn't make sense that God would will that to happen, that that's a part of what God plans for us. So determinism, another part of that is this term predestination, that everything has been predetermined, that we have no choice, we have no free will, we don't get to call anything, which means that we don't get to choose whether we accept this grace, this unmerited favor that God offers to us. God already decided ahead of time which people are going to receive that and say yes, and which people are going to receive that and say no. Can you believe that? That God would say, you get it, you don't. I have a really, really hard time with that, that, that it isn't up to us to make that choice. Why wouldn't God just save all of us? Why wouldn't God will all of us to do the things that God wants us to do? You know, it's because we have free will. We get to choose things. We get to do what we want to do. I do believe, I do believe that God wants all of us to be saved, that God is at work in our lives before we're even aware of it, calling us into a relationship with him. John Wesley, who founded the beginnings of our church, the United Methodist Church, called that prevenient grace, grace that comes before, offering us that unmerited favor before we're even aware of who God is. We have free will. We have the ability to say yes, and we have the ability to say no but God wants us to say yes. God so wants us to, to take that step and say yes. Now, at the other end of the spectrum is a thing called deism, and it's basically a hands-off God. Several of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson among them, was a deist. He believed that God created the world and set it in motion and then gave us the keys, basically. Said, it's yours, you're responsible. Run it, you know, run it the way you want to run it. 
And I think of I think of the creation story. I think of Genesis, um, Genesis one eight. If you want to look that up on your Bible, or you have your uh, smartphone or your tablet here, and you want to take a minute to look that up, it's the very first book of the Bible, the first chapter, verse twenty eight. And it says that God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth." Subdue it, have dominion over it. God creates the world and sets it in motion and leaves us in charge. That's kind of a scary, scary thought, isn't it? God is still sovereign, but God chooses to not intervene. God leaves us responsible. We are the stewards. So that leads us to that story of Adam and Eve in the garden and the tree that's there. And God God has told them, there's fruit on that tree that if you eat of it, you'll be like God, but don't do that. You can have anything else, but don't do that. And we know what happens when we tell our children, don't do that. You can do this, this, and this, but don't do that. And that's what Adam and Eve, that's what Adam and Eve did, because we have choices that we make. We have free will. You can choose to follow God's path for your life, or you can choose to follow the path that you want to follow. But under this concept of deism, We don't get to excuse the poor choices that we make as part of God's master plan. You don't get that that out in this one. We have all the responsibility for how things turn out in our lives and how things turn out in the world. The problem with this way of understanding God is that it leaves no room for God to be at work in our world. If it's true, it's true. Think about all of those stories that we know from the Old Testament and the New Testament, of God liberating the Israelites from the, from the uh, Egyptians. That couldn't have happened. God wouldn't have intervened. The world was just set in motion and God was hands off. So God would not have taken um, action to make that happen. And God didn't send Jesus into the world. Because God is, is a hands off God. God wouldn't do that. And God doesn't send the Holy Spirit to us to guide us and comfort us and lead us. Now, it does solve the problem of God being responsible for all these horrible things that happen. But on the flip side, it totally negates everything that we believe as people of faith, everything that we believe as Christians, because we believe that God does want to influence us, that God does want to work in us and through us, that God did send Jesus into the world to redeem us and that God does intervene in the world in miraculous and amazing ways. Not always when we want it to happen, but there are times when we know that God has intervened. It's a mystery to us. It will always be a mystery to us. So if God does want to work in us and through us, what does that look like? Well, I think we have to be open to God. I think we have to uh, be aware of God's presence in our lives, and we have to have some quiet time, which is hard to do in this, in this day and time. One of the ways that I try to do that is when I get up in the morning, the very first thing that I do is to go into our sunroom because um, I like, it's like being in nature without the bugs and all of those other things, but I can experience what's going on in the world outside. But I, I sit there, I light a candle, and I sit there and have devotions. And then I do a practice that's called centering prayer. And centering prayer involves doing nothing, basically. You're sitting there and you're opening yourself to God and what God might have to say to you. And doing nothing is one of the hardest things you'll ever try to do. 
Because what happens is um, called monkey mind. Things pop up. Oh, I need to do this. I need to remember to do this. And it's like, no, 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 set that aside. This is God's time. But in doing that, I've said to God, I'm open to you. How would you use me this day? What is it you want me to be about? Ground me in you so that as I walk through this day, I will do the things that you call me to do, not the things that I want to do, that I'll choose you and not, not me. And sometimes in those times, a name will pop up in my head and it will be a nudge from God that says, oh, you probably need to call that person or drop them a note or remember to lift them up in prayer whenever you're in your intercessory prayer time. Take note of that. Or there's a situation that I realize, oh, I need to, okay, I need to really focus on that when this is over. It's almost like I have to keep a little pad of paper to make that note and then go back to God. But it's really fully opening yourself to God. Um, recently, I got a Fitbit. And if you've ever had one of those, you know that if you haven't walked enough steps in an hour of the day, about 10 till the next hour, it buzzes on your wrist and tells you what you need to do to get it done. And so I think of centering prayer as a time when I can allow God to nudge me, buzz me, tell me things that I might want to do in my day ahead or the week ahead, a way that I can interact with folks. I want to tell you that I believe that God isn't the micromanager that determinism believes, and I don't believe that God is that absentee landlord that the deists think God is either. Scripture doesn't say that, doesn't say either of those things. The deeper truth is somewhere in between those two. The reason most things happen isn't because God willed them to happen, but because of the decisions that we make or the laws that govern nature and our interaction with those laws. The idea that we have choice is so very important. I can't tell you enough how important it is to recognize that we have choice, we have free will, that God is always, always showing us the right path and warning us against following the wrong path. We don't always listen, but God is always saying, do this, don't do this. Kind of like a parent. We want to do the don't do instead of the do. Um, Moses was the man that God tapped to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. They had been take, they'd, they'd gone there of their own free will, and while they were there, they ended up being enslaved by the Egyptians, and it was time for them to leave. They were oppressed there, and God taps Moses on the shoulder. Well, actually, he had a burning bush that caught his attention, and Moses does God's will and helps get those people out. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and then comes the time when they're getting ready to go into this land that God has promised them, the promised land. And Moses isn't going to get to go. He has done something that angered God, and he's not going to have the privilege of leading people into that land. And he's worried about them because he knows they have choice, and they're going to choose the wrong thing. And so God gives Moses these words. It's in Deuteronomy 30. Um, the 19th and the beginning of the 20th verse. And what he says to those people is he's given them instructions to go into the promised land is this. He says, I call heaven and the earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. God's way, life and blessings, or your way, death and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and holding fast to Him, 
for that means life to you and length of days. Choose life. You have a choice. If people, let me just ask you this, think about this in, the, in that framework of determinism and deism. If people are simply bound to do whatever God puts in their hearts to do, as the determinists say, if they're predestined, predetermined, what's the point of Moses' challenge for them? Why call them to choose if they don't really have a choice in it? If God's already decided what they're going to do, why tell them to choose? And on the other end, the deism end, why does God even care? They're free to do whatever they want. Why would God intervene here with any direction if he set the world in motion and basically let people be in charge? I don't believe that God dictates our choices. We have brains. We have a conscience. We have scriptures that can guide us. We have the Holy Spirit that God sends to the world to be there for us, to guide us and direct us. And I also don't believe that it's all on us, that God has left us here to fend for ourselves and make the best of things without any input or support from God. Just don't think that's how God operates. The reason most things happen is not because God willed them to happen, but because of decisions we make or laws that govern nature and our interaction with those laws. I want you to look at this image from Las Vegas again. You see, Stephen Paddock, the man who's responsible for this, had free will. He could buy the guns, he could check into the hotel, and he could shoot innocent people at a concert. God did not make him do it. He was free to make that choice himself. And God wasn't totally absent as he did it either. As much as we would have loved for God to intervene and that be one of the amazing, miraculous things that God has done, that didn't happen. God was as shocked, as stunned, as grief-stricken as each of those people there were who experienced what happened and as we have been as we've watched it unfold. Um, Monday morning, just the unbelievable, how in the world could something like this happen God is heartbroken over the evil that took place that night. And I would invite you to a time of silence, a silent prayer that we would lift up for those who were um, killed that night, for their families, for those who were injured. But let's just enter into a time of silent prayer. Lord, in your mercy, we ask that you hear our prayers. You know, sometimes horrible things happen, and what's sad to say is they seem to be coming more and more routine. Whether it's a hurricane that destroys a town or an island, or whether it's caused by human hands, like this mass shooting in Las Vegas, God gives us freedom. We can choose the way that leads to life, the path that God would have us to take, or we can choose to go our own way. We live in a world that is broken, and there are those who choose their own way. We live in a world that is broken. There are people who choose their own way, not the way that God would offer them and has offered them, and it ends up affecting us as well as it affects them. I want you to know that God does not cause terrible things to happen. 
God wants what's the, what's the very best for us because God loves us. Everything does not happen for a reason. The Bible doesn't say that, and it's not part of God's plan. Here is what the Bible says. Hear these words from Paul's letter to the church at Rome, the eighth chapter, verse 28, probably very familiar to, to a lot of you. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Paul wrote these words when he was on his way to Rome. He was getting ready to be put on trial in front of the emperor. Life was not good for this man when he penned these words. Um, it's important to hear in it what Paul does not say. He doesn't say that God makes everything happen for a reason or that whatever happens is part of God's plan, part of God's will. He does say that whatever happens, however bad it may be, God will somehow find a way to bring good out of the situation for those who love him. No matter how bad it is, whether it's a personal situation you're going through and struggling with, or whether it's something that's happened in the world that just has weighed us all down, God will find a way to bring good out of that. Now, I know you're probably thinking, what is the good that can come out of this tragedy in Las Vegas? Maybe it is the way that the people came together to help one another. I've heard story after story this week of perfect strangers who shielded somebody they didn't know from bullets, took a bullet for them. Maybe it is the way that people risked their lives to go back in and help get someone who was injured to medical help. Maybe it was the way that people comforted each other and were there for each other. Maybe it'll be in the stories that come out of those who lost their lives or in the stories of those who, who um, were injured and how they heal from that. Or maybe it will be in the wake-up call to us that we need to reach people to share this transforming love of Jesus Christ. A wake-up call for us that the only way to change the brokenness in our world, the darkness of our world, the only way to shine a light into that world is through changing people's hearts. And the only person who can, can do that, who can transform someone's heart, is Jesus. And if we're not telling people about Jesus, then we're adding to the darkness. We need to shine the light that we have out into the world that so desperately needs it. I don't know how God will make good out of the tragedy this week, but God will find a way. Because I know that for God, evil will not have the final word. You see, God redeems evil. Horrible things never have the final word. God always has the final word. And that's good news, my friends. Very, very good news. And we give God thanks for that. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, we come to you with hearts that are heavy, hearts that are just devastated by the tragedy and the horror that we have seen this week and we we just trust that you will redeem this we trust that you will give us what we need to walk the days and weeks that are ahead we trust that you will be in each and every situation maybe not as tragic as what we know from las vegas but personal tragedies personal struggles you will transform that for good as well because we, we know you. We know you are the light in the darkness and we pray that you will show us how to share that light with those who need it. We lift these prayers in the name 
of your holy and precious Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.